0: God, thank you so much um, for the opportunity to have these young people uh, and coaches at our church. Uh, I pray for um, all the challenges that they face, and I pray that you would protect their, their minds, that you would protect their bodies, that you would give them safe travels on these long road trips, um, and God, most important, that you would protect their hearts and their souls. Um, the, the world really is after their hearts. And so I pray that if they have any idols that are not um, about you, that you would replace those idols with your saving grace. And I pray that they would continue or start a relationship with you um, today. I pray for everybody here that we would be supportive uh, that we would be encouraging, and that we would recognize not just the folks on stage, but so many people in our community who need to be loved and to love the well and to be given the gift of your power. I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. You can take a seat.
1: I, I had my airbags in my car replaced this week. I've been getting a series of letters, and the last one said, you're going to die if you don't replace these. (laughs) So Karen says, you really need to do this. But then she prepared me for what I was going to experience. She said, when you go to pick up your car, they're going to tell you that your car needs all this other work done, so I want you to be prepared to say, no thank you, not at this time. And you know what, it happened exactly like she told me. That when I went to pick up my car, they said, you need all these things. Actually, what they recommended <laughs> was more than what the value of my car is. <laughs> but she, it was amazing, I was prepared. At that moment, when, when the person said that, I was ready because she prepared me to say, no, no thank you, I'm not interested. I'm so glad she prepared me for that moment. Um, This year at Good News, we've been on a disciple-making adventure. We've learned that Jesus invites us to be disciples and disciple-makers. We've looked at that a disciple is a follower of Jesus. And I want you to know something that I've learned. When we hook our wagon to Jesus, when we hook our wagon to Jesus and say, I want to follow you, we find ourselves in the middle of a battle. And so I want to prepare you for that battle uh, because I want you to be an overcomer in that battle. And, and this series is not just for you. I want you, when you're discipling someone, that you can prepare them, just like Karen prepared me, so that they, too, aren't surprised by the battle, but they find that they're overcomers in the battle. So we're going to start a three-week series called Overcomers. And we're going to see that the battle we find ourselves in when we try and follow Jesus is there's a battle against the flesh, There's a battle against the world, and there's a battle against the devil. Now, the battle in the flesh happens inside of us. The battle is inside of us. Anybody ever have a battle on the inside? And then we're going to see the battle with the world is the battle that's around us, that the world's always trying to squeeze us into its mold. Ever feel that? And then we're going to see the battle that's above us is with with the devil, And and so we're starting today just looking at one, the flesh, and the point of the message today, will you read it with me? Will you say this? To overcome the flesh, walk by the Spirit. Let's do it one more time. To overcome the flesh, walk by the Spirit. As we're looking at these, remember when Jesus taught us how to pray? Remember how his prayer ends? He taught us to pray what? Uh, Deliver us from evil. You know what he was talking about? Deliver us from the evil that's inside of us. Deliver us from the flesh. And then deliver us from the evil that's around us, the world trying to squeeze us into its mold. And then deliver us from the evil that's above us from the evil one. So if you have your Bible, turn with me to Galatians. And and if you don't, you can follow on on the big screens. In Galatians 5... Starting in verse 16, the Apostle Paul speaking, But I say, <clears throat> walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. For the flesh sets its desire against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh, for these are in opposition to one another, so that you may not do the things that you please. But if you were led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now, I want you, first of all, to notice two words, spirit and flesh. Do you see how they're in there over and over again? One more time, walk by the spirit and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. Notice for the flesh sets its desire against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh, for these are in opposition to one another. Notice how there's the flesh and the spirit and there's a conflict between them so that you may not do the things that you please, but if you are led by the spirit, Let's unpack that a little bit, okay? To overcome the flesh, walk by the Spirit. So here's a question I have for you. Would it be true to say, would it be true to say that most Americans believe that Jesus uh, was a good person? Would that be a true statement? That that most people you talk to, if you ask them who is Jesus, they would would say what, he's a good person, wouldn't they? And then if you ask people, did Jesus live a good life? Do you think most Americans would say Jesus lived a good life? You guys there? Yeah. They would, wouldn't they? Yeah. But then if you ask the question, well, why aren't they following him? And maybe that's true of you too. Maybe you believe Jesus is a, uh, is a good man who lived a good life. But if they're not following him, do you know why? There's two reasons. Number one, they don't want to. And number two, they're not able to. The reason people don't follow Jesus is they don't want to and they're not able to. And that's why it's so important that we who know Christ share the gospel with people. That's why it's so important that we invite other people to come and see Jesus. Years ago, someone invited me to come and see Jesus. And and when I came to see Jesus, I began to understand the bad news and the good news of the gospel. Uh, The bad news of the gospel is we have a problem called sin. And you might say, well, what is sin? So in Isaiah 53, uh, would you read the first two lines with me? Let's read the first line first together. All of us, like sheep, have gone astray. So wait a minute. How many? All. And so that means what? Like all, right? Now let's read the second part. Each of us has turned to his own way. So first it does this, everyone, and then it does what? It moves it in, (laughs) All and each. And and what I mean that we have a sin problem (laughs) is that we don't want to follow God. And if we wanted to, we're not able to. That's what we mean when we say we have a sin problem. We have a want to problem and we have an ability problem. And because we don't want to follow God and because we're not able to, we've all committed sins against God. Sin is more of a condition than an isolated act. But because we're sinners, we sin against God over and over and over because that's our nature. And because we've sinned against God, we are in big trouble because God is just. He can't just wink at our sins and let us, us in the back door. He says what we deserve is we deserve God's wrath. We deserve hell. So, the gospel has bad news, but it also has good news. So, the first part's the bad news, right? All of us, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. But, and I tell you, there's good buts and bad buts, and this is a great but. But, the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on Him. So, who's the Him? It's Jesus, isn't it? You see, we have a problem called sin. And so God the Son put on flesh, came to earth, and He lived a perfect life for us. He wanted to obey His Father, and He was able to obey His Father. Jesus modeled for us what it looks like to walk by the Spirit. So He did for us what we couldn't do. He lived a perfect life for us. And then... where it says the Lord is saying, God the Father has caused the iniquity, all of our sins to fall on Jesus. Can you imagine never having sinned in your whole life and then taking upon yourself all the sins of God's people through all the ages and experiencing the wrath of God in our place? So Christ died for our sins, but he didn't stay dead. He, he, he rose on the third day proving he had conquered sin and death, and he offers to us eternal life, eternal life. And here's what that is. Jesus offers to forgive us of all of our sins, and he offers to give us the opportunity to do life with him and for him and eternity with him and for him. Listen to this. Listen to this amazing offer. Have, have you ever wished you could start over in life? Or, or, or maybe you could start over <laughs> in marriage or start over in something. And, and So here's this offer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, if anyone puts their faith in Christ, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature, a new person. And listen to this. The old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. And what that means, is if we believe in Jesus, the old things have passed away. We're forgiven of our sins, but it But it also means that lacking the desire and lacking the ability, that goes away, and new things have come because when we believe, not only are we forgiven, but we're given the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is given to us to give us the desire and the power to follow Jesus. So, what does God require of us to be forgiven and to receive the Holy Spirit and to do life with Him and for Him and eternity with Him and for Him? He requires that we believe. Do you see that in verse 17? If anyone is in Christ, if anyone puts their faith in Christ, if anyone believes in Christ, uh, He's a new creature, the old things have passed away, behold, new things have come. So, smiley, what does it mean to believe? Now, now listen carefully. To believe in Jesus is as simple as ABC. It starts when we admit and then we believe and then we commit. It starts when we admit, Jesus, I've sinned against you, and I'm sorry. And if you've never done that, won't you do that even now? And then the belief is, Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross for my sins and rose. That's important, won't you? And then we commit to Jesus as Savior. We say, Jesus, I want you to come in and forgive me and give me eternal life. I'm trusting in you and not in me as my Savior. But listen, it's also to trust Jesus as Lord. And what that means is today the rebellion stops. Today I surrender, and from this day forward, as you give me strength, I will follow you. And do you know how he gives us strength? He gives us the Holy Spirit to give us the desire and the power to follow after him. So listen, if you've never believed, won't you admit and believe and commit, won't you? And if you have, I want you to know, not only are you forgiven, but you've been given the Holy Spirit. And He's given to us to give us the desire and the power to follow Jesus. The want to and the ability to. Okay? That's what we're reading about in Galatians chapter 5. But I say, walk by the Spirit. Okay, now you're a Christian. Now you have the Spirit. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. Now, now the Spirit and the flesh, and I want you to get this, there's a conflict between the two. For the flesh sets its desire against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh, for these are in opposition to one another. So, flesh, Spirit, let me define them for you. Flesh, not talking about our skin, though sometimes in the Bible it does mean that, but in a situation like this, it's talking about the sinful nature we were born with. I mean, our computers have operating systems, don't they? Our phones have operating systems they come with, right? So when we're born, there's an operating system that's installed on our hearts And the operating system installed on our hearts when we're born is the flesh. Is the flesh. And you say, well, how do you spot the flesh? It's so easy. Here's what the flesh says. I can run my life better than Jesus. Do you ever think that? That I know the path to happiness more than Jesus does. Do you ever think that? That's the flesh. Whenever you hear, I can run my life better than Jesus, that's the old operating system. Okay? Now, the Spirit, the Spirit is the moment we believe in Jesus, a new operating system is installed on our hearts. It's the Holy Spirit. He's given to us to give us the desire and power to follow Jesus. I mean, you ever wonder why He's called the Holy Spirit? It's not because He's holier than the Father or holier than the Son. He's given to make us holy. He's given to us to give us the desire and power to follow Jesus. So how do you spot the Spirit? How do you know it's the Spirit talking? It's really easy. Jesus can run your life better than you. Whenever you hear that, that's the Spirit. Jesus is wiser than you. That's the Spirit. He he knows the path to happiness better than you do. That's the Spirit. So... To overcome the flesh, we walk by the Spirit that that Jesus is wiser than you, that Jesus can run your life better than you. Now, to walk by the Spirit and to overcome the flesh, there's two cliffs that we need to avoid. If you come here, there's always two cliffs, right? Let me share with you the two cliffs in this conflict. One cliff is what I would call the defeated cliff. And the defeated Christian goes like this. Christians aren't perfect, they're just forgiven. Um, I mean, Christians aren't perfect, they're just forgiven. So they're kind of defeated because they think all it means to be a Christian is to be defeated, is to be forgiven. And the opposite of the defeated cliff is what I would call the perfection cliff. And the perfection cliff goes like that there is no conflict inside of a Christian because there's only one nature, not two. But the gospel, the gospel guides us between those two cliffs. The gospel says, no, no, there, there is a conflict. To overcome the flesh, walk by the Spirit. So if you're a defeated person, and you think, well, Christians aren't perfect, they're just forgiven. Like, if you're a Christian, you are forgiven. <laughs> but not only are you forgiven... You've been given supernatural power. You've been given the Holy Spirit to give you the desire and power to follow Christ. But listen, if if you're a perfection person, listen, there is a conflict. And, And there are two natures. And that's why to overcome the flesh, walk by the Spirit. To get a little bit more insight into what it means to walk by the Spirit, look at verse 18. It says, if you are, what? If you are led by the Spirit. So to walk by the Spirit is to be led by the Spirit, but but what does that mean? Well, first of all, it doesn't mean that the Holy Spirit is a pacer. You ever watch like a mile? They're trying to set a record for the mile, so they have a pacer out front who's setting the pace, and the other guy's working really hard to keep up? That's not what it means that the Holy Spirit leads us. He's not a pacer out in front of us, and we're saying, please slow down, we can't keep up. But when you think of being led, think of a locomotive. You ever see a train? Am I the only person in here who catches a train? They're two miles long. Does that fascinate you? That the locomotive does what? The locomotive backs into a train, and then it what? It, it leads it, right? It pulls two miles of train. It's leading it. It's not out in front. It's pulling it, right? It's supplying power and direction. That's what the Holy Spirit, he's not in front running. He backs into us, moves into us, and leads us to Christ, giving us the want to and the power to follow Christ. Now, as we talk about being led by the Spirit, some people speak of it as though it were a purely subjective experience. You know, Smiley, I prayed about it, and the Spirit led me to divorce my wife. I mean, I don't know what led you, but I know it wasn't the Spirit. Or someone else says, you know, Smiley, I prayed about paying my taxes, and the, and the Spirit led me not to pay my taxes. I want you to know something, that the Spirit and the Word always work together. Gee, the Spirit always leads us in the Word and through the Word. He never leads us across the valley and through the woods. It's always in the Word. Let me show you. A few months ago, we learned how it's better to have the Spirit inside us than Jesus beside us. And when Jesus is talking about how it's better to have the Spirit inside us than Jesus beside us, here's what he said about the Holy Spirit. In John 16, 13, but when, but when what? He. That's so important. The Holy Spirit's a person, uh, not a power, not an object, but when he... And what's the Holy Spirit called here? But when He, the Spirit of truth. You see, the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit. Another name, He's the Spirit of truth. But when He, the Spirit of truth, comes, He will guide you into all the truth, for He will not speak on His own initiative, but whatever He hears, He will speak, and He will disclose to you what is to come. The Holy Spirit inspired men to write the Scriptures So we have the Spirit of Truth who gives us the Word of Truth, the the Scriptures, and then the Spirit leads us in the Word. Um, Back to my locomotive, okay? So the Holy Spirit is the locomotive, right? And, And the Word of God is the tracks. The Word of God is the tracks. The Holy Spirit is always leading us in the Word. The engine is is leading the train down the tracks. And do you know what the destination of the Holy Spirit always is? It's Jesus. He's always leading us to Jesus. Do you see that? He will glorify me. The Holy Spirit's often called the shy one of the Trinity because what He loves to do is exalt Jesus. He will glorify me. Look at Him. Look at Jesus, love Jesus, obey Jesus, follow Jesus. He can run your life better than you. What the Holy Spirit wants to do is exalt Jesus and then form him in us. He will glorify me, for he will take of mine and will disclose it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said, he takes of mine and will disclose it to you. I love someone said the Bible reveals Jesus as true and the Holy Spirit reveals him as treasure. He's your treasure. His love alone will satisfy you. Follow Jesus, love Jesus, obey Jesus, tell others about him. That's what the Spirit does. So to overcome the flesh, walk by the Spirit. To overcome the flesh, walk by the Spirit. But Smiley, how do we know? How do we know if we're walking by the flesh or we're walking by the Spirit? How do we know? And so Paul says, it's pretty easy to tell. Verse 19, now the deeds of the flesh are evident. How how do we know we're operating by the old um, operating system? Now, the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality. When people are walking in the flesh, they're engaged in immorality. Idolatry, sorcery, false religion. When people walk by the flesh, they get caught up in false religion. And now... (laughs) The longest run is going to be that when people are walking in the flesh, they can't get along with others. There's endless relational conflict. Listen to how often it says this enmities, strife, jealousy, outburst of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying. Wow. So when we walk by the flesh, there's immorality and false religion and there's relational conflicts. Drunkenness, carousingness, and it leads to drunkenness and drinking parties. Drunkenness, carousing, and things like these of which I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned you that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. The word practice is significant. When that describes our life, it's not an aberration, but our practice. Um, The Bible says that's evidence that we don't know Christ. But that's how we know we're walking in the flesh. How do we know when we're walking by the Spirit, but the fruit of the Spirit? Now notice the word fruit in singular or plural. It's, say it confidently, it's, singular. I think sometimes you'll hear people, they'll talk about the fruits of the Spirit. It's not nine different qualities. It's the character of Christ. The fruit of the Spirit is the beautiful life Jesus lived on earth. It's that life the Holy Spirit wants to form in us. And what does the beautiful life look like? What kind of life did Jesus live when he was here on earth? The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. When people walk by the Spirit, they're not involved in immorality. They don't get caught up in false religion. They have an amazing ability to get along with one another. They're not drunk. They're walking in self-control. They live the beautiful life like Jesus did. Isn't that what we all long for, isn't it? I mean, doesn't, isn't there something in your heart that says, I want to live like that, doesn't it? Love, joy, peace. <laughs> and, it, and if this isn't what you want, the people around you sure want you to be like this. <laughs> Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. <clears throat> Now, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let's also walk by the Spirit. Uh, Are you a Christian? Are you a Christian? Are you a Christian? Wow, this room's got a lot of lost people in there. One more time. Are you a Christian? And you know what Paul is saying? Remember your conversion. Remember your conversion. What happened at your conversion? You crucified the flesh. What does it mean to be a Christian? We say I surrender, right? I'm tired of running my life. Today I surrender. And from this day forward, as you give me strength, I want to follow you. On that day, we took our flesh and we nailed it to the cross and says I don't want to live that way anymore. <laughs> but let me say a few things about crucifixion. It's slow, right? I mean, you nail someone on the cross, but it took them a while to die. So you've crucified the flesh. Leave it there. It's painful. It is painful, isn't it? Uh, It's merciless. Don't show your flesh mercy. Leave it where you nailed it. And it's certain that when someone was crucified, they did die. So he says, remember? Remember when you became a Christian? When you became a Christian, the old things passed away. Remember that? Remember new things have come. When you became a Christian, you said, Jesus, uh, as you give me strength, I will follow you all the days of my life. And so he gives us the Holy Spirit to give us the desire and the power to follow Jesus. So so far, we've learned that uh, to overcome the flesh... Uh, the flesh is still there. It's not in control. But to overcome the flesh, walk by the Spirit, walk by the Spirit. And so now we're going to move to an action step. And this action step is meant to be really, really encouraging. It's simply verse 25. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Here's what the Apostle Paul is saying. If you're a Christian, the hard part's already over. If you're a Christian, the Holy Spirit has raised you from the dead. And now you're alive, and the Spirit that raised you from the dead has now moved into you to give you the desire and the power to follow Jesus and overcome the flesh. You say, what? Okay, back up a little bit. Before we come to faith in Christ, the Bible says we are spiritually what? One more time, say it confident. We are spiritually dead. And if you're a Christian, Jesus loved you so much. He sent someone to share the gospel with you. But not only did he send someone to share the gospel, he sent the Holy Spirit to raise you from the dead because you never would have come to him on your own. He sent you the Holy Spirit to raise you from the dead, to open your blind eyes, to unstop your deaf ears, to loose your tongue, to overcome your natural hostility toward Jesus so that you could see the beauty of Jesus and say, Yes! You know what theologians call that moment, don't you? It's called regeneration. And everyday Christians, you know what we call that moment, don't you? We say that person is. They are born again. They were dead, and they're born again. So here's the encouraging thing. The Holy Spirit, who raised you from the dead, who opened your eyes and unstopped your ears and loosened your tongue, has moved into you to give you the desire and power to follow Jesus. So, walk by the Spirit. Well, Smiley, what does that look like to walk by the Spirit? Well, uh, it's a walk, you know, step by step. And to me, it's a walk of dependence and surrender, of dependence and surrender. What do you mean dependence? It's a walk where we say, Holy Spirit, give me the desire and power to follow Jesus. It's surrender I mean, it's dependence, but it's surrender. Give me the desire and power to follow Jesus. I want to go his way. Um, I know in my life it works like this, that I want to be a disciple of Jesus. Do you? And Jesus gives us four simple invitations. He invites us to come and see. He invites us to follow me. He invites us to fish for men. And he invites us to bear much fruit. And so every morning when I get up, I hear Jesus say, come and see. Come and see. And he's waiting right there in the living room and inviting me to come and see. And I know a prayer the Holy Spirit loves to answer is, Holy Spirit, give me the desire to come and see Jesus. Oh, the Holy Spirit loves that. Listen, Jesus is waiting for you. He's had breakfast for you. Why wouldn't you spend time with him? And when I come... I see Jesus and then Jesus says what he says follow me Holy Spirit give me the desire and power to follow Jesus and he says who wouldn't want to follow him he can run your life better than you he's wiser than you look at the life he lived one of love and joy and peace isn't that the life you want follow Jesus <laughs> and then Jesus says what he says fish for men Holy Spirit, give me the desire and power to to fish for men. And he opens my eyes to see others the way Jesus does. Smiley, you've got what they need. Share the gospel. (laughs) And then he says, bear much fruit. Holy Spirit, give me the desire and power to bear much fruit. And so he moves in my lives. So listen, to walk by the Spirit is to accept the invitations of Jesus to come and see and to follow me and to fish for men and bear much fruit independence dependence and surrender to the Spirit. Well, Smiley, do you always walk by the Spirit? Our church is very blessed that that we have uh, Dave Ackerman as one of our pastors here. And I often ask Dave, I'll ask him a question like I asked him one day, Dave, Are you controlled by the love of Christ? Are you controlled by the love of Christ? You know what he told me? I am, except when I'm not. (laughs) Is that good? Isn't that true of you? That you're controlled by the love of Christ when you're not? So if you ask me, Smiley, do you walk by the Spirit? I would say, well, I walk by the Spirit, except when I don't. I want you to understand something. This is really, really important. There are not two different kinds of Christians. There are not Christians who walk by the Spirit, and there are Christians who walk by the flesh. There's not two kinds. Often you hear, well, they're Spirit-filled Christians, or they're carnal Christians. There's not two kinds of Christians. But there are two different conditions that all Christians walk in. There are times I walk by the Spirit, (laughs) and there are times I walk by the flesh. And that's true of you, too. You say, well, how does that work? Well, my wife is working now in the indoor mall out at the, um, at the interstate. And so one night I wanted to go visit her at work. And so I'm praying. I'm praying on the way into the mall. On the way into the mall, I want to go in here, and I want to point people toward Jesus. And I walk in the door, and the first thing I see is a 20-foot picture of a lady in her bra and underwear. And immediately I move from walking by the Spirit to walking in the flesh. Because what did I read? That those who walk to the flesh, it's so evident, it's immorality and impurity and sensuality. And I'm off so quick. Um, or I'm having lunch with someone that I'm discipling, and, and they say, You know, Smiley, I have this friend, and he planted a church. And and about two years later, there were 2,000 people coming to his church. Some of you know me. I should say, what, like, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Isn't that wonderful? But what are the deeds of the flesh? Jealousy and envying. I've been at this a long, long time. I want you to know my flesh is not getting better. It's not. It's always there. And in a moment, I can move from walking by the Spirit to walking in the flesh. So what do I do when I fail? What do I do when I fail? And I fail a lot. I love what crew teaches their people. Crew teaches their people about spiritual breathing. We breathe all the time, don't we? And when we exhale, what do we do? We exhale out the carbon dioxide and all the bad stuff, and then we inhale the good stuff, right? And so my walking in the Spirit is continually exhaling, Lord, I'm so sorry that my, I have such impure thoughts, and I'm so filled with jealousy and envy. Lord, I'm a mess. And then, and then I inhale, Holy Spirit, fill me anew, and give me the desire and the power to follow Jesus. And it goes on and on and on because it's a walk. I am walking by the Spirit. Matter of fact, if someone said, Smiley, what's it like for you to walk by the Spirit? I would say it's one of continual repentance. It's one of continual repentance because the word repentance literally means to change our mind. The word in Greek is meta, to change, and noia is the mind. And the reason I'm continually repenting is my first response to almost every situation is almost always wrong. Maybe you're not like me. My first thought is almost always wrong. My first thought when I meet someone is something critical, judgmental, or mean. Smiley, you are terrible and I am. Anybody else like that? That maybe sometimes your first thought's not real good? See, my flesh is faster than my spirit, and my first thought is almost wrong because it's it's the flesh, but the second is the spirit. They're precious. Love them. Treat them the way Jesus treated you. So for me, learning to walk by the Spirit is I have learned to live life with a time delay. A time delay not to go with the first thought. Um, Do you know there's a football game next Saturday? Anybody know that? Now, have you ever been to the Florida-Georgia game? It's really an amazing experience that when 100,000 people are going to the game, every police officer in Jacksonville is there. (laughs) But when the game is over and there's a hundred thousand drunk people there's no police now follow me just a little bit okay what could go wrong with fifty thousand happy drunk people next to fifty thousand unhappy drunk people what could go wrong there right I've been there many times and a lot of bad things go wrong and this one year I wasn't there but I'm watching it. it is the post game and The Gators must have won because I wouldn't have been watching if they had lost. (laughs) But it's a live reporter who asks a fan a question. And out comes this profanity-laced stream. And it's live. And the interviewer uh, (laughs) doesn't know what to do. So the TV station apologizes and says, from now on, we will have a tape delay, so that if that comes out, it's not spread. Oh, what a change it's made in my life to do life with a time delay. I have come to realize the flesh is almost always first. But if I wait a second, if I wait a second, the Spirit will come, and the Spirit's The voice I want to listen to. And then I can say, yes, Jesus, I want to follow you. (laughs) And, And you know what I've learned to walk by the Spirit? It really is a walk. It's thought by thought and choice by choice and word by word and day by day. But if we do that, if we do that for a long period of time and then look back, we will be shocked how far we have come. So I want to encourage you today, if you're a Christian, if you're a Christian, the Holy Spirit that raised you from the dead, if we live by the Spirit, has moved into you. He has moved into you to give you supernatural power. He's there to give you the desire and the power to follow after Jesus. So this week, be really intentional and walk by the Spirit. Let's pray. Jesus, we are so glad that you came to save sinners because we couldn't save ourselves. And thank you for offering us eternal life to forgive us and to give us your Spirit and to give us life that's abundant and forever And listen, if you're here today and you've never put your faith in Christ, if you'd like to become a new person, wouldn't you right where you are? Won't you just admit to him, Jesus, I've sinned against you, and I'm sorry. And won't you believe, I believe you died on the cross for my sins and rose. And won't you commit to him, Jesus, come in and and be my Savior and forgive me and give me eternal life. I want you to be Lord of my life. And from this day forward, as you give me strength, I will follow you all the days of my life. Oh, if you've done that, listen, you're a new person. The old things have passed away, but whole new things have come. Tell someone, mark it on your card. Let us celebrate with you. It will make Jesus more real to you. And Lord, I pray for every Christian here that we would leave here rejoicing that once we were dead and now we are alive and that you, Holy Spirit, who have raised us from the dead, have moved into us so that we can overcome the flesh and follow Jesus. And I pray this week, Holy Spirit, that you would give us the desire and the power step by step and word by word and choice by choice to follow after Jesus. For we pray in Jesus' name, amen.